on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. A lot to get to on today's edition of the show. A lot of basketball news to talk about here in this first segment. We'll also get to an opponent preview. We're talking with BJ Reigns from the Idaho Press Tribune about the Boise State Broncos. BYU will be playing their eighth straight game against Boise State as an independent and part of a 12-game series. We'll talk with BJ Reigns about this series and also get some of the intel on what Boise State looks like entering the 2019 season. And of course, we'll get to our player countdown series, the Church and State player countdown series as we talk about number 48, Salofa Funa, on today's podcast. There you go, the rundown of what we're going over today. The podcast is brought to you today by Twillery, twillery.com slash locked on. We'll tell you what they're offering our listeners here in a little bit. And with that, let's get going. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 12th, 2019. Hi guys, I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, and thanks again for taking the time to download the show. All right, let's start off today. Big news coming out of the Maui Invitational yesterday. The highly anticipated uh, matchup reveal was released yesterday, and BYU in the first round of the Maui Invitational over Thanksgiving weekend, they'll face off against the UCLA Bruins under new head coach Mick Cronin. It'll be the first matchup between the two teams since 2010. The series all-time, UCLA actually only holds an 11-10 advantage in the all-time series, so it's a big opportunity for BYU here. The winner of that game will face off against the winner of Kansas and Chaminade in the second round of the tournament. Of course, if you win that, you move on uh, to the championship round where you could face anyone of Georgia, Dayton, Virginia Tech, or Michigan State. So, as many as three high-profile opponents for BYU in the in the Maui Invitational during the Thanksgiving Day weekend holiday area, and. I think it's a fantastic setup for BYU. Uh, you didn't necessarily want to face off against Dayton. You didn't want to get a Shamanad in the first round because those two games not necessarily going to do it for you. But UCLA is a name brand. I understand that they're down. They have a new head coach in Mick Cronin, the former Cincinnati coach. But it's a big opportunity. And if you beat UCLA, you advance to likely face Kansas. Of course, Bill Self and the Jayhawks are a blue blood when it comes to college basketball. So... Big opportunity for Mark Pope in his debut season as BYU's head coach going against another fellow rookie coach or a new coach of UCLA and Mick Cronin. And it'll be interesting to see if BYU can knock off UCLA in advance to face Kansas. And if you beat the Jayhawks, who are likely to be ranked very high, probably a top five team in the preseason in my mind. We'll see what happens because you can face off against Michigan State, who might be the preseason number one team if you make it to that championship game of the Maui Gym, Maui Gym, Maui Invitational. Interesting name, Maui two times in four words. Anyways, so a big opportunity for BYU men's basketball in that regard. They also received an academic honor. They received the Team Academic Excellence Award for the third straight season coming from the National Association of Basketball Coaches. You know it as the NABC. Uh, They named BYU as among the teams to receive that Team Academic Excellence Award for the 2018-19 season. It was created by the NABC Committee on Academics. These awards recognize outstanding academic achievement with a team with a cumulative grade point average of 3.0 or better during the 2018-19 season. So that's awesome. BYU's athletes on the basketball program getting it done both on the court and also in the classroom. So congratulations on that honor. That honor 
probably belongs to Dave Rose and his staff, but Mark Pope and his staff will gladly take it and carry it forward and hope they can make it a fourth, fifth, sixth year in a row going forward. So congratulations on the men's side of things in that regard. And on the women's side of things, Jeff Judkins, of course, BYU's longtime coach, announced the hiring of two former Cougar standouts to his coaching staff yesterday. Melanie Pearson Day, the former UCLA transfer, came to BYU after serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, played on Judkins' first Sweet 16 team in 2002 that went 24-9 and overall. She averaged 11.8 points and 3.6 rebounds for BYU while garnering one MWC Player of the Week citation. She also formerly coached uh, at UNLV, but now she joins Jeff Judkins' staff. She lives in Utah Valley. And then Lee Kamard, who was a coach on Dave Rose's final staff a year ago, spent one year as an assistant coach after being the director of player personnel for a couple of years, has joined Jeff Judkins' staff. And that's kind of an interesting move. I'm interested to see how Lee does transitioning from the men's game to the women's game. Of course, Lee was a standout and all-MWC player for BYU on the men's side of things and we'll see if he's able to pan out on the women's side of the of, of basketball we of course Jeff Judkins made the transition and has had great success for the women's basketball team at BYU I know there were some people calling for him to make the move back over to being the men's coach multiple times when it seemed like Dave Rose might be nearing the end of his tenure but I think Lee Kamar will be well served on the staff of Jeff Judkins working with a guy like Judkins because Juddy was a high level player in his own right playing at the University of Utah playing in the NBA, and he can help Lee, I think, make that transition, understand the nuances of the women's game, and hopefully help him uh, become a successful coach. I know Lee has been hoping to stay in basketball, and when Dave Rose stepped down, he was cut loose. He was in contention to take the director of basketball operations role once again on Mark Pope's staff. That went to Bobby Horodisky, and he was looking for a new gig, and it's awesome to see him staying at BYU, but joining now, which is, I guess moving down the hall, essentially, because the basketball offices are literally down the hall from the men's and women's team in that new Marriott Center annex. So congratulations to Lee Kamard making the transition to the women's game this coming season. So there you go. The BYU basketball news and notes that came out yesterday. I think it's a big congratulations all the way around uh, to Melanie Pearson Day, Lee Kamar, Jeff Judkins, Mark Pope, and the rest of the BYU men's and women's basketball programs for getting those honors, the uh, bracket set for the Maui Gym Maui Invitational, and also hiring new coaches for the women's basketball program. I think both these basketball programs have high aspirations going into the next season. Women's basketball probably a little bit higher higher after their breakthrough season this past year but of course Mark Pope wants to make an impact right away with six seniors on his roster and we'll be sure to bring you all of the BYU basketball news as it comes out but I think it's a great move keeping Lee Kamard in the fold at BYU now on the women's side of things bringing a person like Melanie Pearson Day into the mix and also seeing that matchup potential for BYU in that Maui Invitational. Some big time opportunities for BYU to notch some quality wins early on in the basketball season coming up 118 days away from college basketball. Just crazy to think. It just feels like it just ended, but they're 118 days away today from college basketball season opening up. All right, we will step aside here, come back and talk a little bit of BYU versus Boise State with BJ Rains from the Idaho Press Tribune. A great writer, covers Boise State as well as anybody. We'll 
We'll talk with him about Boise State, their aspirations as a program, and also get some of the nitty-gritty details on the roster for the Broncos as they seek to replace their quarterback, their running back, and a few other key positions. So that'll be coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars. Before we do that, though, do need to tell you about today's sponsor on the show, and that is our good friends at Twillery.com. T-W-I-L-L-O-R-Y.com. And what Twillery.com is, is it's your online retailer to help you restock your closet, speaking of the shirts in your closet. They want to make it easy, affordable, and the perfect fit, guaranteed. They want to make it as simple as restocking the soda in your fridge, guys. They offer non-iron, untuckable, and performance dress shirts for for as low as $55 each when you bundle four or more of them. They have four-way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweat, and keeps you looking and feeling cool. And once again, for just $55 a pop, it's just the top value in smart workwear. So check them out, guys. Twillery.com slash locked on. They're also offering locked on Cougars listeners $25 off by using the promo code locked on. L O C K E D O N. Check them out, guys. They are fantastic shirts. I have enjoyed them. Summer has officially arrived here along the Wasatch Front and for most of the United States and the Northern Hemisphere, plain and simple. And if you're looking for new shirts to restock your closet, whether it's for church, work, whatever it is, go to twillery.com slash locked on. Check it out. They've been fantastic shirts. I have enjoyed the ones they have sent to me. And they're not your standard sizing. You give them your neck size, your sleeve size, everything you should need. And it's a custom shirt sent directly to you. If it doesn't fit, free returns and shipping. They'll take care of you and make sure you, that you are covered. And that way you're always looking and feeling your best when you're wearing a Twillery shirt. So Twillery.com slash locked on. Use that promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $25 off. BJ Reigns next. This is Locked On Cougars. back to Locked On Cougars. Reminder for you guys, when you're out and about driving around in your car, make sure to plug in your smart device and tell it play podcast Locked On Cougars. That way you stay up to date with all the latest in BYU news. We continue on with our opponent preview series. We're doing these opponents in reverse order when BYU faces them this season. Our opponent this week is the Boise State Broncos. Pleased to welcome in BJ Reigns. He writes writes about Boise State for the Idaho Press Tribune. BJ, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. First thing here, Boise State, correct me if I'm wrong in, in this assessment, but I was reading about this. They were the only G5 program this last recruiting period to land multiple four-star athletes. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. And I mean, depending on where you look and where you read and what rankings, I mean, some people were calling it the uh, best group of five class ever uh, in terms of uh, average star ranking and the number of players they got, and you add it, you kind of the number of four-star guys, and you combine it all together. And there were some people calling it the best group of five class ever. So, yeah, Brian Harson's continued to up the recruiting since he's taken over, and they got a good class this year with three or four guys that they think uh, you know definitely could make an immediate impact for them. What's gone into that? What what sets Boise State apart from other G5 programs when it comes to recruiting in your mind? I mean, I think it's a combination of things. They have a lot to offer as opposed to a lot of the other group of five programs in terms of the facilities they have, um, the, the you know track record of success and playing in the, the near six bowl games and the, the winning that they've done, um, you know, the home record that they have they put in the NFL, I mean, the, the number of first-round draft picks they've had as opposed to other group of five schools. I mean, they, they've got a lot to offer. 
And when you combine that with uh, coaching staff that's not afraid to go after the elite of the elite players, uh, it adds up to them uh, continuing to up the level of player they're recruiting and up the level of player that they're getting signed. Brian Harson, I've got mad respect for what he's been able to do as a head coach there taking over. Of course, he's an alum. It, it's a program. He, it's near and dear to his heart. Is he at some point in your mind going to get a bigger offer and leave, or is he a lifer at Boise in your mind? I mean, I think that uh, a lot of people thought Chris Peterson would never leave, and, and he eventually did. So, I mean, I, I would, if I had to guess, I think Brian Harson coaches at another school at some point. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to spend 30 years coaching at Boise State, but certainly he grew up here, you know, went to high school here, played at Boise State, has coached there for a long time. So certainly he's got different ties than maybe Chris Peterson or some previous coaches. Um, but, I mean, I think it's just crazy to think he'll never leave. Boise State cannot compete. They may compete with a group of five schools, but they cannot compete with the Power Five schools when it comes to money and things like that and salaries. So um, you know, he's making around $1.6, $1.7 million, I think, and it goes up a little each year. But, you know, if there's a you know, another good year in the next year or two and some Power Five school comes offering two and a half, three million million and is going to guarantee four or five years, I think that he'd be silly not to seriously consider that. So I think that uh, – you know, it's a good problem to have for Boise State because it means that they probably had a pretty darn good season. Um, but uh, I think if you're a betting man, at some point you have to guess he probably coaches somewhere else. And and uh, but how quickly that happens, I, I really don't know. Boise is kind of a unicorn in the G5. They've had extended success over the last two decades plus. What they've done has been truly impressive. Transitioning from one coach in Chris Peterson, who's gone on to lead Washington back to prominence in in their own right, and then having Harson come in and kind of carry this forward. When it comes to their relationship in the Mountain West Conference, what are their aspirations? Do they see themselves long-term for the G5? Do they have aspirations of making it to the Power Five? Where does Boise State see themselves in the future? Oh, I think they would love to get in the Pac-12. I think they uh, flirted with the Big 12 or at least sent in their uh, you know, application thing or the information that they were interested just to kind of hear them out. Um, but I think that uh, they would have trouble doing a conference that was the East or Midwest in terms of all the other sports. Um, but I think the Pac-12, if they were to expand, I think they're a perfect candidate for that. They, they already enjoy kind of rivalry games, and they, they play you know, on a yearly basis, usually somebody from the Pac-12, whether it be Washington or Washington State or Oregon. or um, They played uh, Arizona couple years ago so i mean they, they've got games oregon state you know they'll, they'll, they're playing games in the against teams from the pac-12 and actually doing pretty well against them um but i think that that's probably their aspirations i think if, if that if that call came i think it'd be a pretty quick uh you know uh, yeah this is something we want to do but I, I don't think another group of five league makes any sense i don't think uh you know some east coast league makes sense i think that they're happy with where they're at, and certainly the model has proven that the Mountain West can help get them to a big bowl game. You know, there's some other quality programs in the Mountain West, but in terms of the TV revenue and the the rights fees and things, the Mountain West is just so far behind that if the, if a Power Five school, you know, particularly the Pac-12, came calling, uh, that would be something they'd, they'd probably really have to you know seriously consider and, and ultimately probably do just because of what it would do for their academics and athletics and university as a whole. Year in and year out, we see Boise play. They usually play one premier matchup this year. It happens to be Florida State. They're playing this game in Jacksonville, Florida, so it's a pseudo-home game for the Seminoles here, but they're coming off one of their worst seasons in recent memory. Do, does, do Boise fans see this game as a big opportunity for them to strike a big opponent, pick up a win, but maybe catch them on a down? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, this is not the uh, Florida State of a couple years ago where they were ranked in the top five and playing for champ- the, the BCS championship or whatever. I mean, yeah, this is certainly you're catching them at a time where they you know you can certainly beat them, but maybe you'd actually almost prefer they were a little better just so it was a little more uh, appeal to the game. Uh, I mean, I've seen anywhere from four to five point favorites for Florida State, which actually is a little surprising to me. I mean, they certainly have more athletes on the field, but um, no, I think fans are excited. It's in Jacksonville. Personally, kind of wished it was in Tallahassee because I'll be going down there and would have liked to have seen the game there uh, in Tallahassee. But uh, it'll be cool to go to the NFL stadium there in Jacksonville. And I know some Boise State fans are planning to travel. But um, yeah, just you're asking a lot. You're going to have a quarterback making his first career start, a running back, you know, making his first career start, and, and just a lot of changes to the personnel and the coaching staff and going into that kind of environment for a season opener is no easy task, but it's certainly a huge opportunity if they were to find a way to win that game to set themselves up nicely for the rest of the season. The game against BYU, it's a long-term series. I believe this is the eighth, this will be the eighth of the 12-game series they announced when BYU went independent. How does Boise uh, see this series in terms of the administration, the fans, etc.? Do they enjoy this series or do they think it should end at some point? No, I think they enjoy it, and I think that uh, the athletic director at Boise State has already basically hinted that they've talked about extending the series. So, uh, you know, I don't don't see why they probably wouldn't. Uh, the Boise, Boise State has a lot of uh, the Mormon you know, population uh, in, in Boise area. That game sells out every time they play. Um, it's a good game for TV with, with both schools having a relationship with ESPN. Um, so, I mean, it's a, a close enough uh, thing that fans can drive down to Provo when it's down there. The games, for the most part, have been pretty good. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's uh, an exciting series. It's a good rivalry game. It's a name, you know, respectable opponent on both teams' schedules. So, from the Boise State perspective, I think they uh, would love to see it continue, and, and uh, I think that's probably going to happen at some point. One more question in this segment. We'll come back and talk a little more in depth about players on the, BYU, on the Boise State football team. But I wanted to talk about BYU and uh, Boise State in basketball. They announced a two-game series that starts yeah. this season as well. Is that something yeah. that you think eventually could expand to be something like the basketball? Sorry, the football series where they have a little more of a extended series set up? You would think. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, and it's like the first time in a decade or something that two teams will have played uh it's pretty crazy if that's the case and, and that's another game that uh again a lot of fans in the area i think at least in boise they'll sell a lot of tickets for that game it's a name program a program that competes near the top of their conference and is competing you know for a spot in the ncaa tournament um you know you know you're going to get a quality squad for the most part year in year out from, from byu so um yeah i mean i don't know if Boise State is going to sell a lot of tickets for basketball down in Provo, but um, I think regional games are good. Boise State had a series with Utah that was a four-year series against Utah. They're talking about maybe trying to, you know, at some point get that going again, but certainly they play Utah State, obviously, in conference, but uh, to get teams that are, you know, power five or at least, you know, up in, in, a, in a higher level of, of in terms of uh, name recognition, I guess would be a better way to say it when you think BYU. It's a name that stands out, and I think fans uh, certainly would like to see that, and, and I was happy to see the two years uh, series start and uh, get the first game in Boise this fall, and the next year they'll return to Provo and see what they can do after that. All right, talking with B.J. Range from the Idaho Press Tribune. He covers the Boise State Broncos. We'll take a time out here, come back on the other side, talk a little more in depth about the certain players on Boise State's football team. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast.
are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Talking with BJ Range from the Idaho Press Tribune. He covers the Boise State Broncos. He's done so for quite a while. One of the top writers in my mind in the Intermountain West. That's just my personal opinion, BJ. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, about Boise State is they're replacing their quarterback uh, this year. They brought in a number of highly touted freshman quarterbacks in this recruiting class. Where does the quarterback race stand at this point? Well, I think uh, a lot depends on the health of Chase Cord. You know, Chase Cord was the backup last year as a redshirt freshman, got into a couple games in some wildcat packages. He, he scored, I think, on a 44-yard touchdown against Troy in the opener on a run. Uh, but he tore his ACL uh, in early October. He would have been the, the favorite. He would have been probably the clear-cut starter if he didn't get hurt. Um, and can do a lot of things, and he's a mobile option that they really liked. And then he, as I said, tore his ACL. So he's expected to be fully cleared by the start of fall camp. They had a charity softball game last week, and he played in that with a small brace on, but did uh, bat and run out an infield single. So uh, he's supposed to be fully cleared to to, to uh, you know play at the start of fall camp. And if he's healthy, I think he's probably the guy. But uh, you know, Hank Bachmeyer, a uh, top ten uh, national post style quarterback, four stars one of the highest-ranked quarterbacks, I believe the highest-ranked quarterback ever to sign with a Mountain West school, um, is gonna, he came in and, and was in spring practice and really uh, competed for the spot. So um, you know, they, they've got a Juco uh, transfer that played last year as a backup, Jalen Henderson. Uh, he's a senior. Maybe to start fall camp, he'll be the quote-unquote starter just because he's got the most experience. But I would expect Chase Cord and Hank Bachmeyer to be the two main guys here. You have that new redshirt rule where you know Hank could play in four games and still redshirt. So maybe the competition continues into the first couple games. But if Chase Cord is healthy, for my money, with the experience he had the last two years under Brett Ripon, I think he's probably got to be the guy at this point. But you also don't want to have your quarterback, uh, Hank Bachmeyer, transfer because he's unhappy. So. Uh, a lot can happen, and, and we'll have to uh, kind of wait and see. But there's there's no starter at this point. It's a wide-open competition heading into fall camp. What is the background with Bachmeyer? You mentioned he might be the highest-rated uh, quarterback to ever sign in the Mountain West Conference history. What attracted him to Boise State? Uh, just the relationships with Zach Hill, the offensive coordinator, Brian Arson. I think he saw the opportunity with uh, Brad Ripon leaving that he'd have a chance to come in and potentially play right away. He committed very early in the process, so he's been committed to Boise State for a while. Uh, but he had offers from Vanderbilt and uh, SEC schools and, and Big Ten schools and, and a lot, you know, almost all the Pac-12 schools. I think it was four of the five Power Five leagues had offered him. So uh, he had dozens of offers. As I said, it was a big-time recruit. Boise State was able to hang on to him and sign him. And so, uh, you know, that that's going to be a, a big get for them. But, uh, again, you're a true freshman quarterback and first game at Florida State. Uh, I don't know if that's the ideal opportunity or situation for him. So I think they would prefer to have Chase Cord be the primary quarterback. But it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see Bachmeyer at least get some time, uh, a couple series here and there, particularly with that new rule that lets him do that for four games while keeping the uh, year of eligibility. At the running back position, Alexander Madison was awesome. It seems like year in and year out, Boise just reloads at running back. Is there a top dog to replace him, or is it going to be more of a by committee approach this year? 
Well, I mean, every every couple of years this happens where somebody leaves and they have to try to, you know, that's the talk. Is it going to be one guy or is it going to be committee? And it ends up being one guy. I don't think there's as obvious of a choice this year. Andrew Van Buren was a highly ranked uh, recruit that played as a true freshman last year. He's probably the guy that uh, will get the biggest opportunity to come in and do it. Robert Mahone has gotten some time as a backup running back in the couple last couple of years. They expect him to have a bigger role. And then they signed uh, two four-star running backs, actually, in George Halani out of uh, a big-time high school in California. And then uh, Keegan Duncan uh, is from Declo, Idaho, and the four-star running back as well. So they brought in two pretty highly ranked guys that compete for and at least one of them will probably get some immediate playing time. But, um, yeah, Boise State has the longest streak in the country right now. They've had a 1,000-yard rusher in 10 consecutive seasons. And so uh, there's a lot of talk in Boise about whether or not they're going to be able to keep that going next year. And I certainly think that's a big storyline heading into the season. Wow, a decade straight of a 1,000-yard rusher. Now, most programs would sell their souls to have that, and that's just truly impressive. Uh, talking with uh, B.J. Range from the Idaho Press Tribune here on Locked on Cougars, let's uh, talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball. Guys like David Moa are coming back this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Curtis Weaver's out there, that stud position that Boise likes to run with their defense. Who's going to lead this Boise State defense going into this season? I mean, from an NFL standpoint, Curtis Weaver could potentially be a first-round draft pick uh, in next year's draft if he has as big of a junior season as he's had the last two years. Um, and he's going to get more attention from defenses. He's going to get more, uh, you know, won't be rotated as much because uh, Jabril Fraser graduated. But uh, Curtis Weaver is, uh, you know, has NFL scouts kind of oozing over him and could be a high first or second round draft pick in the next year or two. Uh, so it all starts there. You mentioned David Moa. He, he uh, was also a guy at one point that was seen as an NFL prospect and then uh, had a down year in 2017 and then last year was hurt all year. So he got a uh, sixth-year of eligibility granted with the new eligibility rule. And, uh, again, kind of some unknowns with him. Uh, if he's able to be healthy and get on the field, he's an All-Mountain West type player. And he was preseason All-Mountain West first team, I believe, uh, by uh, uh, Phil Steele or Athlon or a couple of the ones out there. And it's just, uh, you know, it all comes down to his health. But they have some other veterans. Keikoa Nawahine is a three-year starter at safety. Uh, DeAndre Pierce has uh, started games for three years, missed some games last year due to injury. Uh, Antonio Pierce's son, he's a back at safety, and they've got Avery Williams, a multi-year starter at defensive back, at corner. He's also the punt returner, so they, they feel pretty good. The defensive line has some other guys that are back as well. Linebacker's probably the one issue on defense where they don't have a ton of depth. They had three linebackers. They're going to either get kicked off the team or transfer after the season, so there's going to be some inexperience there, but they've got a couple guys that if they're healthy uh, are probably going to you know try to fill that void. So I think the defense overall, should be pretty good, but again, new defensive coordinator as well. Andy Avalos, uh, former Boise State player and longtime uh, assistant coach, finally left and went to Oregon as their defensive coordinator in the offseason. So a new coaching staff on defense as well. Four of the five defensive coaches are, were not coaching the same position last year, and three of the five are new to Boise State entirely. I wanted to ask you about that in terms of the coaching staff on the defensive side of things. Do you expect any changes in terms of scheme, uh, or do you think they'll just carry on with what, what has worked in the past? Well, I think that's still to be determined. Um, you know, I think that Jeff Schmetting came in. He was originally hired from Eastern Washington to be the linebackers coach. And then when Andy Avalos left, he was promoted to D.C. They were originally going to be changing to, uh, you know, more of a 3-4 look. And so, uh, you know, I'd be very interested to see, you know, how that kind of, uh, you know, goes and whether they still decide to do that. And, and you know, they use their nickel as kind of that outside linebackers position. 
Um, and then you mentioned the stud, which is kind of an outside linebacker slash defensive end. So whether it's 3-4 or 4-3, they run a lot of similar stuff. Um, but uh, the blitzing and things like that, I think we don't really know much about Jeff Schmetting, and I think we'll kind of figure that out as we go along. I wanted to ask you, last year the bowl game, very unique uh, situation with the storm down there in Dallas. The game get, ends up getting canceled. Were you there for that, and what was that like experience like overall? Oh, yeah, I was – I was there, and it was crazy. It was I uh, never seen anything like that. You're there all week, and you're spending Christmas there, and, and you're all ready for the game. And then, uh, you know that that uh, you you hear all along there's a chance for rain and storms and stuff, but you never actually thought the game would would get canceled. And then the lightning delay hits, and and uh, you're waiting and waiting. And then I remember seeing the chain gang guy uh, come out and go grab his. Uh, the, the first down markers and take it back in and I thought okay the storm's either going to get worse here or they just bang this game and sure enough a couple minutes later they announced on the loudspeaker that the game has been canceled and will not be made up and I think there was a little bit of shock in the press box couldn't believe what had happened a lot of unhappy parents have spent a lot of money on plane tickets to come watch their you know guys play and players that miss Christmas to be there and it was just kind of a surreal experience. And then after that, I had a flight to catch at the airport, and it was just, uh, you know, storming. And uh, my flight ended up getting canned, pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, and then canceled. A lot of the players, the, the team charter was supposed to be flying back to that night. That got uh, delayed several hours. And it was just uh, guys, you know, had to have, some guys got rental cars and drove home back to Boise or California from Dallas. It was just a disaster. But, uh, yeah, just a crazy experience. Usually you have the, the motivation of a bull loss to kind of fuel your fire where you have a win to kind of help propel your momentum into the offseason, and they never really had any of that. And it was just a really uh, crappy way for Brett Rippon's career to end, uh, you know, unceremoniously like that in the bowl game, and it was just a weird thing. But, uh, you know, they've, it, uh, they're a part of history now. I think the first one uh, due to weather that actually got canceled, I think Pearl Harbor canceled one in Hawaii at one point, but um, I think they, uh, they've got their name, you know, Unfortunately, not what they would have wanted, but at least they're going to be a part of history moving forward. <laughs> it's definitely unique, that's for sure. Well, BJ, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It was a blast to catch up with you. Hopefully we'll catch up with you later this season as this game gets a little bit closer, okay? Yep, no problem. You got my number and happy to help anytime I can. So I uh, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, there you go. BJ Reigns from the Idaho Press Tribune. Fantastic to catch up with him. Really thank him for taking the time. Some great details on what Boise is going to try to do to replace their quarterback, their running back situation, their aspirations as a program. He thinks they'd be a natural fit in the Pac-12. I think most BYU fans, all of you listening, think that BYU is a natural fit in the Pac-12, but I think the writing's on the wall with regards to BYU. I think the political nature of of the situation we live in will uh, compl- will kind of nix BYU's opportunities in the Pac-12, at least in the current uh, political climate that we exist in. Who knows if that changes down the road or if somebody, if common sense prevails at some point. I'm not counting on it, but we, we'll see what happens. But thanks again to BJ Reigns for joining us. It was fantastic to hear from him. We're going to catch up with Matt Marshall from the Orlando Sentinel, Sentinel next week to talk about his preview because he's a national college football writer. He did a preview on BYU football, but he's also based in Orlando, so he can talk very uh, well about South Florida, BYU's next opponent as we continue this countdown in reverse of BYU's opponents. You'll hear from him next week on the podcast. Excited to have him on. And we 
also had him on my other college football podcast. It's college football podcast in general called The RPO. Check that out, guys. If you're looking for more of a general college football overview, both nationally and locally, you can check us out there, The RPO. You can follow it on Twitter, The RPO Pod, P-O-D, is where you can find us on there. You can find this show on all the, on social media. You can Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Locked on Cougars. You can find myself at Jacob C. Hatch. I'd love to hear from you guys. Nice listener mailbag yesterday. Still getting feedback on the rebranding of the Holy War uh, moniker. I want to name it Church and State, but let me know what you guys think. I'd love to hear from you guys there. And also, if your company wants to reach an upscale male audience, then your, company's, then your company should be advertising on this podcast, Locked On Cougars. To get your company connected with this audience, email us at LockedOnBYU or at Locked at LockedOnPodcast.com to get more details about increasing your business with this podcast and the help of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, you also can drop notes to that email address as well, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys there hopefully you guys have all have a great weekend we'll catch you back here on monday also have our special weekend editions as our player countdown series continues actually need to get to that i haven't done that today excuse me well okay hold on we're going to talk about this for one minute today's uh church and state player countdown is number 48 salofa funa a freshman linebacker six foot two 245 pounds from spanish fork utah prepped at spanish fork high school originally from southern california and salofa funa was a guy that really felt like flew under the radar at a program in Spanish Fork that didn't get a lot of attention during his time there. He's a good athlete, and if he continues to grow, 6'2", 245 pounds, I wonder if he ultimately ends up maybe playing that rush end role, that kind of hybrid defensive end linebacker role that BYU likes to use in their defense. I don't know that that's necessarily necessarily the case, but we'll see. He's back off a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, He's slated to wear number 48, so he is our player in this countdown series. Funa likely coming back off a of mission is a redshirt candidate if he gets into shape towards the end of the season with that four game uh, barrier that you can use to keep that redshirt year. Wouldn't be surprising to see him play in three or four games this year. Similar to our player countdown profile yet from yesterday, Peyton Wilgar. Wilgar played in three games, didn't have any stats, but he kept his redshirt season a year ago. And I think after that year getting some playing time, I think he's better prepped to make a push for playing time this coming season. Funa is a kind of in a similar boat, maybe just a year behind of what Wilgar's development is going like, but we'll see. If he comes back in shape, you never know what he could do. This linebacking core at BYU is quite thin at the current time. Not a lot of proven options. I think the Kafusi brothers, Isaiah and Jackson, are your most proven guys. Zane Anderson, if he can stay healthy, is there. Chaz Ayu expected to contribute, but that's only four guys for three spots. You need more than that. So a guy like Salofa Funa, if he's in shape, definitely could help BYU. So there you go. Number 48 in our Church and State Player Countdown Series. Salofa Funa, linebacker out of Spanish Fork, Utah and Spanish Fork High School. All right, now we're done. Have a great weekend. We'll have special player editions over the weekend to continue this Church and State Player Countdown. And of course, full editions returning on Monday of the Locked on Cougars podcast. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you on Monday. This has been Locked on Cougars for July 12th, 2019.